break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 29th of August, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show. As we always do today, we're going to be talking about the very unfortunate renewed outbreak of war in northern Ethiopia. Since August 24th, war has been raging in northern Ethiopia after the insurgent former ruling party, the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, or TPLF, launched a new offensive shattering months of a ceasefire and just on the heels of the TPLF rejecting peace overtures from the Ethiopian government and the African Union. Reports of heavy fighting in parts of Amhara and Afar regions just to the south and west of Tigray in the intermittently mountainous and adjacent areas centered on Cabo in the Amhara region and Yalo and Afar, through which the key A2 highway passes, that leads south from Tigray to Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, and is also near other key east-west junctions. So it's an area that has logistical and strategic significance. And this, of course, for those who've been paying attention to the conflict, is something of a replay from the last TPLF offensive that erupted last year, also after a government declared ceasefire, when the TPLF made a desperate push to take the capital, but was ultimately defeated with the final blows coming mainly in this similar area of Ethiopia. There's something of a topsy-turvy nature to both the actual flow of and reports of fighting, but as of the time we went to press, the TPLF had initially taken Cabo over the weekend, but had then been rebuffed and pushed out of the town. There have been rumors here on Monday that the TPLF has pushed into other areas further south and west, like Lalibela and Waldia, but these are reports that are being vigorously disputed by citizen journalists from these areas who are sending out photos as well as local government administrations, also sending out photos showing that things are calm and the TPLF is not in control. There are also continued reports of the TPLF occupying Yalo Town and Afar, but that the heavy fighting, as of Monday morning at least, had eased there. So while these exact facts could change, it seems generally the TPLF offensive is not making significant headway as of early Monday in the United States when we're recording this. Over the weekend, some analysts were speculating that the TPLF had more limited aims of seizing territory in Amhara and Afar to try to use as a bargaining chip for land in the disputed region of Welkite that has a border with Sudan. Ultimately, only time will tell, but it does seem this is a bit beyond a limited engagement and has moved over into a full-fledged military campaign. The issue of the war really broke into the international news over the weekend with reports that the Ethiopian government deliberately struck a kindergarten or a playground in an airstrike. Now, the exact circumstances of this are disputed, and the government is denying outright that they deliberately attacked any civilian targets. And a variety of independent observers are suggesting that the TPLF deliberately placed military equipment near civilian areas to invite these sorts of atrocities happening. The United Nations has stated they cannot confirm the accusation of civilian deaths, and both The Guardian and Al Jazeera are reporting it as an allegation rather than a certainty. 
However, the fact that this was a big deal over the weekend does point to another important pattern in the war in northern Ethiopia, and that is only alleged crimes by the Ethiopian or Eritrean government or some allied force really break into the international media. If the TPLF did it, it's nowhere. When you Google Ethiopia, at least as of Monday morning here in the U.S., as well as if you Google Tigray War, when you go to the news tab, you'll see a number of articles about the alleged airstrike over the weekend and a few other articles about the war generally. But you won't see anything on the first page about the fact that the morning the war began, the TPLF stole 570,000 liters of fuel from the World Food Program, endangering the provision of food to 4.8 million people, according to the United Nations. And despite the open denunciation from the UN and many humanitarian agencies and diplomatic entities from countries around the world about this theft... Despite the fact the U.N. also noted they were highly concerned, that's a quote, that the theft of the fuel would increase malnutrition and food insecurity. This did not make the mainstream news in the West. That the TPLF would seize hundreds of thousands of liters of fuel from programs to feed millions of people that the TPLF itself has deemed to be starving on the same day they invade Amhara and Afar regions in a new offensive seems to not only speak to a motive for the fuel theft, but also the hollowness of the TPLF's claims to be mainly focused on the well-being of the people of Tigray which is a good reminder that in the lead-up to the restart of the war, the TPLF had been actively avoiding even beginning peace talks, and as recent evidence has shown, spent most of the ceasefire also engaged in a secret rearmament plan. In the week or so leading up to the eruption of the conflict, the TPLF completely rejected even the idea of peace by refusing to negotiate with the government and raising totally unrealistic preconditions to avoid coming to the table. The main issue the TPLF raised was the so-called unfettered access for aid shipments into Degray and the quote-unquote full restoration of all internet banking and phone services. So in other words, they wanted a total return to pre-war conditions before the peace talks had even began. Now, this is a non-starter for many reasons, but primarily during the last ceasefire last year, which the TPLF never officially acknowledged, they used the increased flow of humanitarian aid into the region in order to rearm, resupply and launch a massive new offensive that displaced millions and led to a range of serious massacres and other atrocities by TPLF forces in Amhara and Afar states. During the last months of ceasefire, Particularly since April 1st, the aid flow into Degray had increased. And judging simply by the TPLF's own telecommunications ability, clearly some internet and phone services are available. So in other words, the government had already taken some clear confidence-building measures, exactly along the lines of what the TPLF had been demanding, and yet the TPLF still refused to entertain the idea of talks. And despite the fact that there's a clear precedent that meeting these TPLF preconditions, even more increased aid and a total return of all services, could lead to them rearming, resupplying, and launching a new offensive, the government actually agreed to meet these terms, but asked for two things in return, that the TPLF sign a formal ceasefire document and that they just show up to the negotiating table. Yet, the TPLF refused. Yes, that's right, they refused to even have their own demands met. And this also puts the fuel theft in a new light. On August 3rd, 600,000 liters of fuel arrived for UN humanitarian operations. The shipment stolen by the TPLF that arrived around August 20th had 570,000 liters of fuel. From April 1 to the end of July, according to the United Nations, 1.2 million liters of fuel entered into Degray for humanitarian operations tied to the UN and their partners. So in other words, had the TPLF not stolen that 570,000 liters of fuel on August 24th, 
almost as much fuel would have entered into Degrai for humanitarian purposes in one month than in the past four months combined. So in other words, the flow of humanitarian aid was in fact increasing right when the TPLF decided to renew the fighting, all while stealing the critical means by which people would be fed, all while claiming the entire reason they were engaging in belligerent actions was because there was not enough humanitarian aid for Tigray. So as you can see, makes the whole sort of rationale they're putting forward look very hollow. And just to double down on this issue, this is all also happening. While there is clear evidence emerging, the TPLF has been using the ceasefire to secretly rearm via flights that seem to be originating in Sudan. The Ethiopian government shot down a plane that they say was carrying weapons, and they noted that they had evidence of frequent flights like this over the intervening months coming from Sudan. Now, several months ago, this was semi-confirmed by Cameron Hudson of the International Crisis Group, who's seen by most as a pro-TPLF source, who said in an interview that he had information confirming the TPLF was receiving flights of this type and that he believed they were carrying arms. Now, he wouldn't confirm it 100 percent, but nevertheless, that was, you know, what he's inferring. So these aren't 100 percent confirmations, but they are pretty strong evidence in that direction that two essentially opposed sources are reporting basically the same thing, that flights are originating from somewhere, landing in multiple locations in Tigray, and that they are likely filled with weapons for the TPLF. So again, the TPLF totally spurned peace talks, despite the fact aid flows were increasing, despite the fact the government was willing to restore all telecommunications, banking, and electrical services, which were the two main issues raised by the TPLF. All they wanted in return, TPLF signature on a ceasefire, and for them to just show up in the room to start negotiating. But the TPLF refused. So in other words, despite the Ethiopian government taking many steps towards the TPLF's demands, all while being fully aware that they are actually rearming, the TPLF refused to put forward any confidence-building measures, rejected all the confidence-building measures from the government, stole hundreds of thousands of liters of fuel, invaded two neighboring regions, said they would not collaborate with the African Union as mediators under any circumstances. And yet, somehow, in most narratives in the Western media, the Ethiopian government is responsible for the renewed fighting, responsible for the last TPLF offensive that broke a truce last year and is responsible for the entire war, despite the TPLF openly admitting that they started it in November of 2020. Really, an amazingly one-sided narrative that's been told about this conflict, which speaks to, among other things, how editorial decisions in major Western news sources are deeply contaminated by the imperial pretensions of U.S. foreign policy and the spin of their various puppets and allies. Now, where exactly the fighting is headed? Not entirely clear. Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed is actually on a state visit to Algeria, clearly the type of thing that projects a feeling of strength about the outcome. It's certainly possible the TPLF could pull back and things could lapse into a stalemate of sorts. But given the fact that TPLF seems to have put up large obstacles to any sort of peace talks, it also seems like we could be headed towards the final battles to settle the conflict by force of arms. One critical factor in how this all turns out remains the attitude of Western nations, who have generally supported directly and indirectly the TPLF offensive and directed all use of coercive measures towards the Ethiopian government. That they continue to place the blame on quote-unquote both sides for the renewal of the conflict and refuse to recognize the clearly more belligerent attitude of the TPLF is a continuation of the tacit endorsement they've been given to the offensive since the beginning which has to be seen as a tacit endorsement of the TPLF's open goals to displace the government established by the 2021 elections and to gain a large share of power for itself and to disrupt the budding alliance between Ethiopia and Eritrea. 
It seems that peace in the Horn of Africa is in opposition to U.S. goals for the region then, which currently means that the solutions to the conflict are almost solely military at this point, since the only sources that can pressure the TPLF seem to be Washington and Brussels, and they don't seem to be terribly inclined to do that. So if the conflict continues to escalate, it's clear enough where to place the blame for how the war started, the TPLF and their enablers in the U.S. and Europe. And we can add that that's a good place to place the blame for how the war continued and how the chance for peace was ultimately scuttled. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah.